0: This podcast is brought to you by BrunerAcademy.com, your online resource for the best public speaking, presentation, storytelling skills courses. Become a rockstar communicator in any setting. Visit BrunerAcademy.com.
1: Hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz and my goal with each episode is to share stories of people who are recreating their lives or rising above challenges to write their next chapters with authenticity. These stories give me the courage to go after living my best life, and I think they will do that for you, too. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the show, so this podcast can continue to inspire next chapters all over the world. More than 20 years ago, my guest pioneered a movement in Los Angeles that rocked the dance community and changed the landscape for hip-hop on TV, film, and live TV. Today, as a world-renowned choreographer and speaker, he is showing people how to groove beyond the obstacles of life. Bradley Rapier, welcome to my podcast.
0: Well, thank you, Liz. I'm glad to be here.
1: I'm so happy to have you. The Groovaloos. If any of you who are listening have seen The Groovaloos featured on the Ellen DeGeneres show, or So You Think You Can Dance, or even Dancing with the Stars, then you have seen Bradley in action. What a ride. What was it like being on those shows, Bradley?
0: It was really amazing because it was a reflection of this gathering that my wife and I started in LA uh, that was really this pursuit of the culture, of street dance culture, that this gathering group a movement created the loose as part of that. And then the sort of the excitement that people had for this new thing that we are bringing together in terms of a celebration of the freestyle, celebration of the art form, that then next thing you know, we are creating certain projects that were attracting attention. So it was kind of like just this great moments of not so much recognition, just the appreciation of what we are doing and allowing us to share that groove further with others it was great.
1: How do you describe the Groovaloo's dance style? Because this was sort of coming on the scene around the 80s or the the early 90s. So explain what that is, what this street dance style is made up of.
0: The quick cool part is that in the 80s, I was actually in a group called Streetscape up in Canada, a pioneering group. And then in the 90s, when uh, Groovaloo's, when I formed the Groovaloo's, what was knew about it was because of the way I had a distance and how I learned street dance culture. The way I was wired to present it was a focus on freestyle, which was that individual, authentic movement that people do beyond the moves when they just kind of zone in and kind of connect to the rhythm. That just really inspired me. So we really focused the routines I made would not be focused on choreography as much as that individualism. I mixed all the styles together that was new at that time. That is I, we popped, we did locking, we did breaking, we did with guys, girls, poets, all mixed together. That was new at the time. Um, and then we sort of did storytelling. So it was this, this new way of expression of story, having also a sense of vibrancy, because I came from this place of the dance is so much fun. And so I guess coming from Canada, it was a little bit, I was a little bit lighter with the presentation while we celebrated the freestyle.
1: You mentioned Canada a moment ago so dance really was not a part of your culture growing up in Canada your dad was from Grenada your mom was from Trinidad and the town that you were growing up in Alberta Canada was known for oil rodeos and ranching so what was that childhood like
0: I had a great childhood but it wasn't it was as far away from street dance culture as you could imagine I was in Canada, so for me, really street dance was something I didn't even really know about. Of course, there are certain things on TV that we'd see, but this is now early on before it was all that it is now. I was in, uh, my father loved jazz. My older sister would teach me some simple funk grooves, nothing to do with street dance culture per se yet. And then my life was really country and rock and roll in terms of the culture with my friends, you know, of rock and roll concerts. That was kind of the vibe. So it was nothing to do with it at all.
1: (laughs) In fact, dance was really not a part of your big life plan. You were on your way to becoming a doctor like your father. But then there was one moment at university that changed everything. That's when your friends introduced you to this new art form of street dance. And you say it captivated you. Why did it captivate you so much?
0: It was a couple of things. One was that I was, I was on that path to becoming a doctor. And I loved school. My dad was a doctor and I did well in school, but I wasn't. It wasn't like I had to do it to be a doctor. I wasn't like, that's what I'm gonna do with my life. It was kind of following a bit of a path that was put up for me. So there was that aspect. There was some things in my family, there was some dysfunction, my parents divorced. There were some things that I was kind of unsettled with that for some reason, when I saw street dance culture, and I saw this one guy, cause this was one of the first two people in all of Canada that knew how to do popping. And he started to pop and throw waves to his body. It wasn't just because it was so cool, but I saw something behind the dance that just sort of called me. It really began to sort of address these gaps and these things that are instabilities and this sense of anxiousness and just wondering and curiosity of who I was, was all of a sudden being answered in this culture.
1: You're still in college at this point, you're on your way to becoming that doctor. But I'm curious if you had not had that sort of path that you were. Destined to be a doctor, you really didn't know about dance that much at that point in time. What did you want to be as a kid? We all have dreams of, oh, I want to be this when I grow up. What was your dream?
0: Well, before the dance, I had this vision of people. This sounds kind of a bit bit corny, I guess, but I just wanted people to be together, to be heard, to be be uh, celebrated. Because I guess because of the divorce of my parents, I guess because of trying to figure out who I was now in my where I was headed, watching things break up. I was questioning those things. So I was more like desiring this large community, large family, being together, celebrating together, and living together. It wasn't really much more beyond that. I kind of did a lot of things because I loved that community. Like I played football through university. I ran track through university. Whatever was happening with my friends, I was doing those things because I loved that idea of that. But it wasn't about the football. Mm. I didn't want to be an NFL player, or I didn't necessarily have to be an Olympic track athlete. I did well in them, but it's because I love that togetherness more than anything.
1: Okay. You're in college. You make this decision. I'm not going to become a doctor and you're going to pursue this street dance dream. What gave you the courage to do that?
0: I guess, you know, what did happen was I started to get involved in this group called Streetscape. It's a pioneering Canadian group. That did start to happen because I met that guy on campus and it was kind of a hobby, but it started to grow. And every moment I had away from studies, I was over at this house trying to learn. And it just became a bit of a breaking point where the group actually garnered attention in Canada. We started being picked up by some major sponsors there. I had to go pursue it. And so I told my dad, I kind of broke his heart at that time. Yeah, I didn't know where I was going. I just stepped off the path.
1: (laughs) Well, it's interesting because I was wondering, okay, how did your parents react in particular to your dad saying, okay, I'm not going to become a doctor? How did you tell him?
0: I remember I was in his office. And like you know, in his office he had all these pictures of the family, and at the back of his room he had the his plaques, you know, the all the medical stuff because he'd gone to school for twelve years to be a specialist. And I remember just looking at that and just going, "Oh my gosh, you know,
1: <laughs> what am I doing?" <laughs> and
0: I did, like I said, I wasn't like I know where I'm going. I said I'm gonna do this thing called street dance in Calgary. It's something I just had to do. And my father, yeah, it was tough for him. And thankfully, my father was like, "Get out of my family. You're banished." But he was thought it was just a phase like, no, this will pass. He's crazy right now. It will come back. And he reminded me every year for a decade, (laughs) like son, the school McGill in Canada, they will have you, you've got a good reputation. They'd love to have, you You know, he kept reminding me that
1: I could be a doctor. (laughs) But what's so interesting is that even though Streetscape, the group that you talked about, they did break up, but you were still so hooked on dance. You, you win a Canadian talent search. You go on to performing nationally and doing choreography for corporations. And you eventually, obviously leave school. You're not gonna become the doctor and you go to LA. And those were some pretty rough years, your first early years in LA. What was that like for you? It was pretty
0: wild because I kept a good attitude about it, kept smiling about it, but it was, well, it's just brand new. I would say the challenges were mostly financial. You
1: know, <laughs> you were sleeping in your car at one point.
0: We would do things like there'd be four of us in a studio apartment, which you weren't allowed to. Four, like you, we had to sneak two guys in the back. You know, we were eating tuna and ramen noodles. That was it, basically, or the McDonald's one dollar burger. That was a luxury. I got evicted from a place because a guy wasn't paying the rent. Uh, oh, I, I was teaching. This is kind of the funny stuff. I did whatever I could do to get get income. So I was teaching. Hip hop, well that, that time it was called Funk Aerobics. Down a gold Gold's <laughs> gym on spandex shorts.
1: At seven AM, I believe, right?
0: <laughs> it was crazy, but I really kept just believing it was gonna work out, but there was a lot of challenges for sure.
1: What did those challenges, what did those struggles teach you about yourself? Well, you know, it goes
0: back to when I first saw the dance because when I saw something in that dance, there was a grounding in it that I saw because everything that I was sort of struggling with, you know, who am I, what, what holds things together and what I sort of thought, this linear path that I learned from, you kind of do this, you do that, you do that to achieve, but it wasn't answering my questions. And when I looked at people in the circle that were really, that's just grooving, as I would say, that were just in that moment, they were so connected, right? Mm-hmm. It seemed simple, but when I would try it, I would be aware that I was still looking outside. I was still a bit on the surface I was still trying to do things rather than just resting in that so there was a lot that I was that that I gained from that that started to allow me to sit in it much more over time with everything I was doing.
1: You go on you create curriculum you begin teaching at universities and lecturing you even perform in a Super Bowl halftime show. How did your father react to that? Did he finally say, "Hmm, maybe maybe it's okay. I don't have to keep pushing on the doctor angle?" <laughs>
0: It was awesome. And he's telling everybody, look at my son. See him talking. He's talking right now. He's choreographing this whole thing. He's running this whole thing. That was my dad. I was like, dad, no, I did not. Chore-. And so my dad just flipped. Flipped. And the next thing I you know, he's sending me articles on entertainment. and oh. And so it was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. So
1: much pride. You know, it's like he's seeing you in your element and finally acknowledging it. And supporting it. I can't even imagine what a wonderful feeling that was finally for you. Yeah. In addition to doing the choreography and collaborations with, I mean, creatives at the highest levels in the industry from television to Broadway. Huge success. And I have to share some accolades because I really enjoyed reading these. From the Tony Award winning director, Des Makinoff, who did Jersey Boys, Tommy and Jesus Christ Superstar. This is what he said about you. Bradley served as the ringleader for what is surely one of the most complicated musical theater sequences ever staged for breathtaking effect. And this one from Nigel Lithgow, the executive producer of the hit shows So You Think You Can Dance and American Idol. What strikes me most about Bradley is the respect he receives and the passionate spirit that propels him to believe dance can actually change the world. How does it make you feel when you hear those accolades? Well,
0: it's, it's almost more just the journey towards it and what you're believing, you know, in terms of Nigel, you know, he's been a big supporter of the Googlers over the years. When I first met him and he sort of saw what we were building and the shows, we were creating the storytelling and he brought us on the show for the first time. And it was truly watching the effect we had on the industry that he brought us into and It was sort of like the culmination of those things of just saying things like that to to almost, uh, I guess, validate, solidify the place we had played and that the effect we've had was actually reaching out beyond the moves that we were doing.
1: Because of that strong belief in the power of dance to change the world, you now call yourself a groove activator. What is your mission today as a groove activator? What does that mean to you?
0: You know, I look at what I've done through the dance and then through, as you said, the performances and through universities and teaching, I really came to see how much this great history of 40 years of the culture, the sort of the the beautiful wisdom and mastery in this culture, and then the ability to have to produce and perform at certain levels to bring this culture to people, it became this idea that everyone can learn what freestyle means. So the freestyle activation, everyone can learn what groove orchestration is. Everyone can learn these things and apply them to life and to dance and to business and to art.
1: I love the phrase that you have. It's not the move, it's the groove. And I think what I'm understanding you to say is the groove is something that's within all of us and that you're helping people pull out that sort of authenticity, pull out the greatness that is within each of us and allowing them to explore that and to believe in it
0: it was a phrase i would say but i went oh my gosh it's not the move it's the groove it's not the move it's the groove and i would say it's not you know whether you live your life or if you dance based on moves you're going to run out of these moves you'll stress out or you'll be paralyzed when things don't go the way that you are but if you sort of sit and if you live your life rest in that groove you can dance through life all day and it truly became this way of looking at life as i went deeper into it and looking at the analogies from the culture of what that really means. We have to train, that's a move. We have to gain knowledge. We have to expand what we know, meaning we find our grooves, but in a sense, we're aware of there's something uniting us that's not just our all individual little things around. We're kind of going a groove we are wrapped up in together that allows us then see when to pull back, step forward, support, lead. And that way it becomes this great melody.
1: It's living in the present moment.
0: Absolutely. That's what i you
1: say. Besides all of Bradley's amazing collaborations, he's also won numerous awards, including an Ovation Award, World of Dance Award, and a two-time NAACP Award winner. Bradley, as you look back over your life, which is far from over, I might add, (laughs) what are you, he's like, woo, thank goodness. What are you most proud of? What does it mean to you today to live your best life?
0: Groovaloo's coming together was a culmination of such of a journey, right? From Calgary, figuring it out, to streetscape, to getting to New York, to LA, to living there. And when we then did our first performance, so we created a stage play, off Broadway, went off Broadway, toured, and it was based on the true story of our group. So it wasn't just a show, it was this sort of ability, this uh, collaboration with these incredible talented people that were following my vision to share their stories, using this culture to show the life behind it and how this groove connects us all and how we become a family and the challenges we go through. Those levels to me were so powerful because it was, I guess, a coming full circle of, wow, this boy from Canada coming here, this movement, this great culture, and now being able to present it to huge audiences with these people that I love, this family that's been created, was very powerful.
1: Which do you prefer, dancing or choreographing?
0: Wow, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> when I first started dancing, choreography was just putting some steps together. And I learned over my career, especially as I got into theater, you know, choreography is the storytelling, it is the journey within. It is the actual orchestrating, guiding the whole piece under the, you know, the leadership of the director to get that story out. In that fullness of choreography, I love that. Dance is more personal. You know, when before we started, I'm dancing a little bit around the house. But the idea of orchestrating it and bringing people together in a way that has them all be lifted and flow—I guess I'd have to say choreography. So was... you're
1: leaning towards choreography just a little bit.
0: <laughs> that, that long answer means I'm still debating. But I
1: 51 I... <laughs> 51.49, right? You're not sure. It's... It's... Personal
0: choreography more for with everyone.
1: Do you have a favorite show that you choreographed? I know you've done so many, but is there one that stands out to you?
0: One of the shows that this, uh, this is tough because I worked with some great people and they've all yeah. been amazing shows. There's one show was the, was the most be- prettiest show I've, I've ever worked on. And it was actually a version of once in on this Island that I choreographed with the director of Hamilton that he brought me to New York to do. And it's just such a beautiful production. But I would say when I worked on Jesus Christ Superstar as a social choreographer. That was my first time going to Broadway. The level of talent and people and collaboration was phenomenal. It was just a great experience.
1: We have just scratched the surface today of this amazing man. If you'd like to learn more about Bradley, please go to his website, bradleyrapier.com. We are going to have that link in our show notes. Bradley, you're such an inspiration and your path has certainly not been linear. It's been all over the place, but I think what is terrific about it is it's a great example of the greatness that exists within all of us. We just have to groove into it, right? Thank you, Bradley, for being here today.
0: Great time. Thank you, Liz.
1: And may all of you find your groove. Break free from the stress or the burnout or the fear. Find that groove and live your best life. Until next time, be well.